Chapter 22 Spoiler Grayscale A Memoir of an Introverted Leader by Muhammad Fadl Join us in this chapter where we explore the many topics and discussions this memoir has sparked between us. You will hear us talking about all sorts of things, starting with our childhood, how we could relate to the author's journey, and as always, we will share with you our favorite quotes and our opinions on them. Come and live with us in the grayscale, where everything is but black and white. We post every Monday. Turn the page. Welcome to another chapter of Between the Pages. If this is your first time joining us on our podcast, welcome. We are your hosts. My name is Nesma. And I'm Hanin. We host this podcast together where we review books and recommend them for you to read. We usually have non-spoiler chapters for those of you who want a spoiler-free review of a book and spoiler chapters where we simply review the book down to every last detail. Today we have Grayscale. A Memoir of an Introverted Leader by Mohamed Fadl. If you haven't listened to our non-spoiler chapter yet, then go ahead and do that. Um, this is mainly for those who have read the book and want to hear our discussion. Yeah, sure. We're going to pick, you know, pick this uh, spoiler chapter from the very beginning of the book. <laughs> We're going to go the very end, end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go through each chapter, like see what we highlighted, what we found relevant, what we have, what that ha- what, what happened we, to us yeah. that is similar, what we to could the, relate to yes, personally, yeah. and what we found very. You know, when you read a book and then there's this quote, it's like, oh my god, this quote is perfect. This is mm-hmm. so like it this, speaks this, to me. Yes, it speaks to or me. it describes something I felt at some point. And yes, like yes, exactly. And this is kind of uh, what we're going to approach in this episode. <laughs> so hop on <laughs> with, with our childhood basically just like he did <laughs> just like he did yeah. we i think you you didn't have uh, much of a similar childhood he... not really no mm-hmm. no there weren't a lot of similarities which is why it was hard to relate to him at first <laughs> yeah. you know you're in Germany, right? Yeah, yeah. So what was, age? I don't remember. Uh, maybe six or seven. Uh, six or seven. Yeah. Till I came here to second second grade. Yeah. Six. Yeah. You were you. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, d- I did have a different childhood. So um, the only thing that I could relate to was like his speaking English and everything. Yeah. But for me, it's different. Like I, uh, like I said before, off record, is that I have a get out of jail free card. <laughs> <laughs> like where people did make fun of me for speaking English. Um, but but you look foreign, so I do look foreign. So I get like I get a pass, you yeah. know. So they do make fun of me, and when they do get to know me, they know that oh, she can't really speak Arabic, or if she tries to speak Arabic, she's not confident enough. So, mm-hmm. like, um, Taman, my Arabic is now way better than yeah it was. <laughs> I vouch like, for that. <laughs> a couple years ago, <laughs> her Arabic is like mine, so that's not speaking highly of it. But um, I wasn't like uh, Muhammad was in the story. He mm. was more, um, he's pure Egyptian. So when he speaks English, he gets he gets to hear some stuff about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I hear a lot of stuff about like, it. Like uh, every day from Arabic, my father. <laughs> in Arabic, we would say, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, just uh, like a couple of days ago, when we had my sisters over, they were... Uh, Still, Rahma mentioned that we were the fascination of the school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were saying that the people were either like with us or or completely against us, you know, (laughs) making fun of us or loving us. Mm -hmm. There was no in between. (laughs) There was this kind of fascination, I guess, and jealousy. Yeah, I think maybe jealousy as well. But hey, like we we don't have to judge. We were oblivious. Of the fact, Asla. <laughs> we were so oblivious. We had no idea what was going on. We only found out about these things after we left the school. Yeah. Which from was... my sister. From your sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so 
I guess you. there is a lot of uh, yes traveling uh, with family to the same place every year mm-hmm. we had that at some point I hated it <laughs> uh, I wanted to go see other places but yeah now I feel nostalgic about these days <laughs> and at school I was um I don't know in primary I was a bit more outgoing than I am now I guess mm-hmm. it was still not an introvert really I guess or maybe yeah. I was but uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to be cool <laughs> <laughs> to try to fit in yeah there was something about him saying that being the class clown was mm-hmm. like for like was his way into being social with people yeah yeah for and cool, I yeah. really get that like mm-hmm. but I I try to like making people laugh is something that I love to do mm-hmm. and I'm good at it I hope I think I am <laughs> and but I only do it with people that are close to me you know like yeah. I know how to get get the laughs out of them and I know my moves and I know like what they like and what makes them smile so so that's like really something I love to do but I would never 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 ever do that in a classroom you know mm-hmm. like make a whole classroom laugh why simply because I think it's disrespectful to the teacher <laughs> Yeah. I can never I like, admired my teachers. If there's like an authoritative figure in the in the classroom, I could never be like silly and jump around. Mm. No. I would be the girl like you would never hear a peep from. You know, <laughs> I would never speak up. I would never raise my hand unless I'm spoken to. I would never yeah, yeah, try to be that. in the spotlight or any of read any a of passage that. from the novel or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> that was horrible. I think it's quite yeah. contradicting for Muhammad Fadl to be uh, the class clown even though he's an introvert I'm not saying that introverts can't be class clowns but I feel like how did he get there you know <laughs> I think maybe because mistake, he's a guy I think. Yeah. no I think maybe because he, he's a guy maybe it's yeah. like something related because introverted girls is something else entirely than introverted guys yeah and my brother is an introvert but he can still be the funny person you know all the time I don't I've really never know. experienced them making jokes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess my experience at school growing up was uh, the teachers were my friends. I would go spend time in their staff room and during the break and not you with, would? Yes, and not oh with my, my classmates. I, mean. I was so nerdy. <laughs> what else did I do? I remember once uh, there was something that at school, a rule that I didn't agree with. Someone was like making us do something and I didn't agree with what they're doing. One of the teachers or the mm-hmm. coordinators or whatever. So I made, I was actually rebellious and I didn't do what they were saying and I gave them a hard time and I can't believe I did that. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that was once. And once in KJ1, I think. KG, yeah. KG1. <laughs> KG1, honey. Yes. I don't remember what happened, but the the um, punishment was at that time. The uh, Time this, out? No, not time out. It was go sit with the boys or go sit with the girls. It was no. the classroom was uh, divided yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there will be this one girl or one boy sitting with the girls and anyone who would come into the classroom would know that they were <laughs> the one who did would something have been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I felt horrible. I and imagine, the whole day. imagine Rahma for your sister. This wouldn't be a punishment. No, this would it wasn't. Be her. It wasn't. I can say that. This yeah. would be like her seeing her other friends. <laughs> True. Oh my god. No, um. I I barely got punished when I was a kid when I was in school. Mm. And when I did, it was. It was horrifying, <laughs> you know, because it rarely happened. So when it did happen, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I'm it feels such like. a bad person. I yes. Am. And I would cry and wouldn't stop. And how did I get there? And I, I didn't mean it. And it's not even your fault at the end. No. Maybe you're like someone was asking for a pen and mm-hmm. you said, told them I don't have one. And then so the teacher kept catches you speaking and yeah. then it's like ah why is it my and I, re- I remember once in the middle school i was kicked out of out of class uh and like i kept crying the floor coordinator she was so shocked that i was <laughs> out there i mean what did you i don't even remember right now what like, i did but she's like oh my god she entered she actually entered the class and was like <laughs> 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 How dare you put her out? She's like... The angel of the class. Yeah. 
<laughs> I remember, this is actually hilarious. I remember during IG, there was a parent-teacher conference, and I think it was the physics teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> and mom went to him and to check on me and everything, and then he was like, who's Nesma? <laughs> <laughs> from the amount of quietness that I <laughs> that I have during yeah. class <laughs> the teacher doesn't even notice me that I'm there <laughs> you don't even exist I don't even exist <laughs> so even during teacher conference the doctor had to actually check on the name list to see if I was part of the class or not <laughs> oh my god that is actually funny <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> but anyway, we've been talking about ourselves for too long. Yeah. We should get back to Muhammad Fadl, who is the center of our podcast <laughs> and his memoir. Starting from Okay, in his first in his first chapter there was um like this admission that he's a sore loser. Uh and I guess as uh like if this is uh like not a virtue in childhood my un my not virtue in my childhood was that i wouldn't share anything with my siblings oh, remember you would keep everything for yeah them? i yeah. had this mom had the mom took this video of me and she was like uh telling me my, my dad was abroad and she was like this video will go to your father so like can you tell him that you would uh, like share your stuff with rahman <laughs> adamant about it i wouldn't share my stuff yeah. mom actually confessed to me later that she she used to wait till i go to bed and then she would <laughs> play with all my toys no way and then put them back no way yeah i, I can't believe i was that horrible oh my god such a rebel no i was i was uh i was as well like that but i was like that was my room like when mm-hmm. we came here to egypt and i mm-hmm. had my own room uh i was very territorial <laughs> I gave my brother hell for it. Like, I would kick him out all the time and not let him enter, even though he wanted to play with me. I was so mean. Like, when I just think about those days where I was, like, a teenager and all the hormones and everything, I was so mean to him all the time. (laughs) And I'm trying to make up for it now. (laughs) Really, every day. No, I guess when I went into my teenage, I became, like, much... uh like blasé you know like take whatever you want do whatever you want just don't get come near my books (laughs) i think that i i'm more like that than ever like Mm. i even let him use whatever he likes from my room he can even read my books if he wants to i let him use anything he wants (laughs) because i just need to make him i need to make Make up up for it i need to make up for all the years that i treated him badly (laughs) true because I was horrible, I have to admit. And then there was this thing he said that Noreen, uh, Noreen was more uh, street smart than him. Oh, this is yeah. Rahma. She's yeah. more street smart than I am. Yeah, but compared, like I'm comparing you to me, mm-hmm. you're more street like smart than I am. True. Right. True. Like I consider you street smart. compared to myself i think it's because you were more sheltered uh, growing up like not to take public transportation or go somewhere alone no from sixth grade i think that let us be be (laughs) everywhere yeah fly my little ducklings (laughs) okay so um i had this quote in mind Mm because we like the movie whiplash yeah. Um, Muhammad Fadl said, I stopped going to swim practice after some time as I had already get, grasped the gist of it and I could move on. I wasn't meant to be a professional swimmer, but I learned enough to be a good one. Sometimes I do wonder, would I have continued if my experience with my coach had been somehow different? Back then, I didn't really consider that. But what if I had had? But what if I'd had a more encouraging coach instead of one who was demeaning and dismissive? I might have not been athletically equipped, but I also might have been. I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I can relate to this very personally because uh, I took swimming lessons as well when I was a kid, and I hated it. I hated every minute of it. A minute of it. Um, because the coaches were very harsh, very, mm. very harsh. And 
I think I, I don't blame them because in a sport like that, you have to be harsh or else you're not going to push your students. Yeah. But then again, I, I want to bring this back to the idea of whiplash. You know, there's this guy who's looking for the perfect drummer and he wants to challenge this uh, drummer uh, guy to be the greatest to be the greatest to be the greatest ever okay mm-hmm. and he believes that there are what was this quote there again are there, more, are no, there are no more damaging words in the english language than a great job than the words or a good a, job than the words go- good job yeah and it's always the idea of pushing, pushing harder, pushing harder and harder and harder. And the one who breaks is not the one who's meant to be that person. Mm-hmm. The one who doesn't break is the one who, who will succeed in this department. And this is the idea of, like, should we have someone who, like, doesn't push us and more, like, gives us the encouragement that we need so we continue? Mm. Or do we need people who push us to our limits and then when we give up, we realize this is actually not what we want to do, you know? Yeah. So It is a controversy, but personally for me, I'm a person who always knows what they want from the thing, the, the activity they're doing or the thing yeah. they're entering or whatever. Like, I know where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But how do I know the difference between failure and giving up? Like, for me, sometimes they're the same, you know? Like, if I give up on something, or maybe I tried my hardest and I gave up on it, on it anyway, did I just, am I a quitter? Or did I make the right decision to move on to something better? You mm-hmm. know, sometimes it's like, I don't know the difference and I can't tell Yeah, until, like, very later on in life, mm-hmm. you know? But I don't regret, like, quitting swimming I, I quit for other reasons as well because I'm I'm a hijabi so for me like the equipment is only the swimsuit so mm-hmm. if you don't have the correct swimsuit that you can wear you already lost you know yeah. like because when you enter competitions like the swimsuit weighs you down if it's too heavy yeah and they're like literally a lot of material milli, yes. milliseconds difference between the first first place and the second place and the third place so it's like really every second counts in that sport and it's mm-hmm. It wasn't really uh, equipped. I wasn't really equipped for it anymore. So, yeah. plus, it takes a lot of emotional and physical toll out of you. Like you feel exhausted, exhausted and drained, and there's no power left anymore. You know, no motivation, nothing yeah, yeah, to yeah. drive you forward. It's very physically challenging, and mm-hmm. if you don't have any passion in the sport, that's not for you. You know. Yeah. So this was an interesting I don't know. Quote. I guess with me, like, it happened in, uh, when I started archery in high school. Yeah. It was something I chose, not something I was put in or, like, fancied when, as a child. No, it was something I wanted to do. And uh, I didn't want to go to tournaments or, like, take places or even advance very high with the, like, ranging range distances and mm-hmm. everything. I just wanted to... Have fun. And yes, have fun and, and use it as a therapy to clear my head and like yeah, get out of the house maybe mm-hmm. when like studying so much for IG. But um, I guess the reason I left it was because our coach wanted us to no go to tournament tournaments, take places, and this is not what I want. He wasn't that pushy. He wasn't abusive. Like in no, no, <laughs> no, flash no, no, at, all, at no, all. At no, all. No, he's no, no. like the kindest Thank coach God. ever. <laughs> Yeah, but um, his expectation, the expectation weighed me down and made yes. me just, okay, I'm it's not like going you to would, go anymore. You'd, like, you just avoid disappointing him, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, exactly. Like, so why should I do that to myself, mm-hmm. you know? it's for, <laughs> for me, it's not about the tournament, so if that's what you want me here for, I'll just go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and exactly like he said in the next chapter, Muhammad Fadil, that... Um, some individuals are quite influential in our lives growing up yet we often fail to realize the effect they have on us mm-hmm. and definitely like i don't want to even go back to connect the dots to why i am the way i am because of like <laughs> my bringing up or the people i had in my life but some Trust people me, were it's not pretty yeah <laughs> like other than your parents and aunties and uncles and yeah there are your teachers as well. I was influenced by, usually, I guess, by my English teachers. Wow. 
<laughs> same english language teachers yeah it was in primary and yeah. in middle school and actually in high school in high dr zavaida yeah <laughs> i was just thinking about it but more more like you know, when people ask me now who are your role models i don't think of real people actually i think of, of fictional characters of fictional characters that I would want to be more like them or maybe have their courage or compassion or kindness or drive or whatever. Like, not that I have like successful people around me or good people around me and just don't observe them anymore <laughs> like I would as a child, you know? Yeah. Okay, I think growing up as teenagers, us and Muhammad Fadil, we had this um, similar... I don't know, I guess, experience. Like when he started gaming and losing himself in the virtual world. Yes. I guess it's the same with us, with us starting read, to read novels and losing himself in that mm-hmm. world of stories. and Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was also TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my yes. God, there's stories, so basically. <laughs> stories in any form. In any form they can come. Like yeah. audiobooks, podcasts. Um, like, taban, like my interest has developed over time. Mm-hmm. Like, only reading, reading started with German books. I only read German books mm-hmm. uh, when I was little. Like, um, childish things, actually, more <laughs> like it. And then I moved to English once I came here to Egypt. Actually, the f- like one of the first couple English books that I bought were when I was friends with you, I think. Yeah, Divergent and The Secret Circle yes, and Shatter Me. The, yeah, The Secret high Circle school. and Shatter Me. High school. <laughs> I miss those days. Well, <laughs> and then after that, my interest started to develop into TV shows. I remember studying with Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> I never finished it till now. <laughs> I did finish it. And I don't remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I discovered Vampire Diaries. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just spiraled from then on. Yeah. <laughs> the books kept piling up and the TV shows got even like more stronger and everything. Yeah. yeah. So it's like But I can even a re- coping mechanism yes. in its own. Kida. It's like a whole world that we created that where where we go to to feel fine to feel okay yes to feel like ourselves yeah and... to feel cut off from mm-hmm. the world to be released from our problems every once in a while is... and i admit it is a fix like he even mentioned to the games of him needing his fix it's it's a kind of addiction it reading addiction, and gaming yeah. and it you always addiction. need more of it like think of when you finish a book what you... do you do you start another and you, you can't help it. One. You, you can't can just help it. Yeah. sit with not Plus, having I do anything. believe that collecting books and reading books are two separate things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I am a, I am a collector as well as a reader. Like, hmm. I buy a lot of books. You do. Buy a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost impulsive at this, at this point. And do I don't I know, do shameful? I stop you or do, do I enable you? No, you do not stop me. <laughs> I don't only... want to be your mom. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say the only person who should stop me is my own mom. But you're my friend. You're yeah. my best friend. So you do not stop me. You support me. Yeah, enable you. And you enable me. <laughs> yeah, you even drive me to the bookstore so I yeah. can buy the things. <laughs> Okay, I also related a lot to the dilemma whether I should stay here in Egypt or just to start life out there out somewhere. There somewhere, yeah. Like, it's different from when I was still starting high school and having the dream of, uh, um, like, being a film editor in mm-hmm. uh, in Hollywood, working on adapt movie adaptations and of the books that I read and stuff. Um, when I started... Like studying here and then getting more exposed to cinema that addresses humanity and like social issues. And I understood, like, uh, I really Leila. did understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And I really did. And Yomidin and like many other uh, movies there. Mm-hmm. Yes, in Arabic. I, I actually started getting, being affected by them and seeing the, their power. Yeah. Of course, I knew the power of like changing people through cinema or stories, basically. But you know, I'm experiencing it firsthand. <laughs> but then I started thinking more about like our country and 
how I want it to be and how I want to not even like be part of movies that addresses issues directly. No, I want to be part of movies that actually addresses these things subtly, you know, like, I don't know. Um, like not, for example, the way men are portrayed in, in cinema now, it's more it's like Muhammad Ramadan and like these um, gangsters. And I don't know, I'm not even watching these things. But like, It frustrates me. And now it teaches uh, other, men to, other be. men to be like that. And this is the ideal they have to look up for. And for example, I'd like to work on movies that don't address this issue, but like maybe have a portrayal of men that are basically gentlemen and like mm-hmm. um, change the way they treat women or are viewed in society or whatever, you know, it's I'm still forming this in my head, but like, yeah, I want to I, give more here. I, yeah, I want rest, like I won't leave and feel that I've, yani that I'm on the right track without trying here first, trying mm-hmm. to affect the culture you, and society. More, you, you, yeah. Like what you're trying to say, you want to remove like the traditional old style acting where there's this dominant male in the TV show mm. where everything happens his way. You'd Not acting, have... but themes basically. Maybe, in the yeah, act. themes, plot lines, yeah. whatever. So... Not just this specific issue, I mean yeah, yeah, I know, other I know, things. I know. Or yeah. other things as well. Like, for example, let's take one of, like, Isaac's goal that is aligned with the with Uni- the United Nations. Uh, no poverty, for example. Mm-hmm. So instead of making movies that are about poor people and how they're suffering, we can make movies about how we can, we're actually lifting those people from the poverty mm-hmm. with uh, with education and projects and money and like how how society leans on each other and like lifts each other up. And you see, like I want to, to, to actually make the change that basically Isaac is making but through stories. Yeah. Because I believe that no one, if you... Just like Isaac is doing it with experience, like with making people experience this this change and being a part of it. I believe that people get more affected other than with experience by stories. So when they feel with the character, the achievement and the struggle and like everything, they get motivated to, to do it, you know, or mm-hmm. change something in, the, in, the, in themselves or the That's people around true. them. That's true. Yeah. Like if you're you have a character that is an idol to you, you would want to follow that character instead of just having someone advise you to give money to the poor, for example. You know, it's not it's it's not as effective. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's uh, a beautiful goal, <laughs> <laughs> and you should work towards it. Yeah. And don't give up. It's. Uh, it's... Do you hear me? <laughs> don't give up <laughs> say it with me <laughs> don't give up <laughs> and then there is this idea that like frustrates me here and I have experienced it in high school as well when they wanted me to be a dentist just, <laughs> just because I'm clever at school so I should be a dentist <laughs> or a doctor or whatever or be an en- the idea of be, be an engineer or a doctor because they are like highly esteemed or whatever. well my dad surprisingly enough wanted to, me to, to uh, study computer science for a while hmm. he was trying to convince me that this is the direction I should go into Imagine me wow. in computer science. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, thank you. <laughs> but I was smart about it and I did not study chemistry. So then no what? medical or engineering school would take me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Hanin. Yeah. Planning for the future. Anyways, it's still, it's, I believe that the... A big part of why we're so behind or we're still developing is that like the youth didn't study and work on what they're passionate about. Like anyone who would go through engineering school or medical school and through the hell they go through and they don't love it and they feel like it's 
like a prison how would they be creative afterwards or try to do something like proactive in the community you know <laughs> or even believe in what they're doing well i mean look for some people it might be hard to follow their dreams and to be independent in that area so not everyone can do what they desire it's mm -hmm. not that easy you know sometimes other people find it um more comforting to please other people you know and mm. um that's not something to judge like even if someone if we have the faith and we believe in something that i cannot live with myself unless i study something that i'm so passionate about that even if i hate it sometimes i can still go through it because i love it you know mm -hmm. But other people find strength in like having the support of their having, parents, exactly for example, having and the people the, around them. Yeah, and maybe yeah. they even do love some aspects of that, um, like what they study, like engineering. Maybe they only love one part of it, but the other part is terrible. But they have to go through it, you know. Yeah, just like uh, I mean, I felt that I was so like it was so hard on me having my mom upset that I don't want to follow her dream or my aunt or whatever you know it was and it was the attention phase that I hated so much but I couldn't live with my I knew I couldn't live the life of a doctor you know yeah yeah, yeah. this like and you have not the right to time. choose yes. the life you want you have the right to choose exactly and I don't wish that to be on anyone you know yeah of having to live a life they don't want. But I have I have met people in my life. Like when I tell them, what are you passionate about? Like what are your dreams for the they future? They don't know. Nothing. Some people don't know they what don't they want. Know. They don't know. A lot know. actually of people yeah. don't know what they want and I don't know where that came from. Where yeah. where is that aimlessness coming from, you know? Mm -hmm. It's so scary like mm. living through a phase in your life where you need to decide what you need to study mm -hmm. and you don't know what you want mm -hmm. I like, know. like god be with you <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is like i don't with these things you shouldn't feel pressure you know even if you enter a faculty and you try it for a couple of months you can still change your mind like just yeah. because you entered it doesn't mean I you mean, have to do it in for my, four in years my, in my class in my university class there are at least 30 people who shifted transferred from, uh, transferred from engineering political science dentistry everything and they were they had a year to go and they just shifted they had they, they spent like four or three years in there in this faculty and then masscom op opened and they transferred just because they didn't want that and yeah they i admired them so much to have this courage so yeah all right, so one of the things that I was really, like, I asked you personally, like, how would an introvert want to enter this type of thing or this type of club? Because club, again, <laughs> organization. Yeah. yeah. And, like, what do I, they think they would come out of it? Like, I personally, I don't find organizations like that <laughs> appealing simply because i am an introvert and i'm very attached to my comfort zone and in I, your private space and and plus i don't have a family that encourages me to leave my comfort zone so i simply just stay where <laughs> i am you know stay put yeah <laughs> nothing wrong with that but you know yeah, sometimes yeah. i really wish i was brave enough or like courageous enough to it, go it into takes, that direction it takes courage yes yeah I don't know, like, I experienced something before Isaac and with Isaac that, like, the effect of it left me, so I'm not motivated anymore to, like, be affected by people and affect them, but I felt it at some time, Yanni, in, I guess, three years ago or two years ago when I had my first conference. I was, uh, we were divided into tribes. And knowing that I like tasks to be done, like I have this oh, control issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I decided, okay, I'm gonna be the leader of the tribe. They didn't have any like problem with that, uh, and I actually did affect them somehow, or like um, help them, help them, or 
I don't know. I I was I was seen as someone I'm not. I was suddenly out of my comfort zone, kada. Yeah. And actually, we talked a lot about comfort zones and how to make them bigger or get out of them or like to achieve more, to do something you really wanted to do all along, and you're mm-hmm. just kada mm-hmm. too scared to do it. And uh, I was very moved by the chair chairman of the of the conference, Nihalu Yahya. They were amazing, really. They talked about their journey in ISEC and uh, what they did on their exchange and uh, what they have achieved and all the struggles they went through. Uh, they weren't introverts, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There is this vibe and like, I don't know, energy. energy. Yes, there is this energy around you that makes you like want to do something, want to, I don't know, make take on the world. Yes, so, yeah. make it make it change. And I guess uh, like Muhammad was also like affected by that, having, conven- having connected with people and like it's yeah, this yeah, energy, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, I can... T- I can really understand that, like alone from on a smaller scale, like mm-hmm. when I work in group projects for my uni and there's like, I mean, bigger projects like um, t- graduation type of thing, mm-hmm. but not the actual graduation. Like we had a dubbing project mm-hmm. where we had to organize to bring the actors for and we had to have um, script writers and translators and we all needed to work together and um, to make this beautiful scene from the uh, from a movie a whole I think they were whole 10 minutes translated mm. actors that were dubbing the characters and and we needed to be there to see how the everything was done and it's like working as a team is exhausting but the results are amazing yes. you know it's, it's very enlightening as well and I find funnily enough that introverts make the best leaders in a way mm-hmm. you know I think in ourselves we are control freaks yeah you know <laughs> a little <laughs> and I think that's what drives us to be good leaders you know because yeah. we always want everything to be perfect we always want everything to be right and, and we have empathy in... for people as well yeah though I feel I'm more task-oriented at times mm-hmm. um, nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just like to get things done you know exactly but yeah it's it's scary to to have all the things that you lean on um your time alone your private space your yeah it gets all taken away like yeah. sucked in killer mm-hmm. like all of a sudden the time that you had to yourself is being interfered or taken away from this this thing that you decided to take part in mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you feel like you're under attack and you yeah. want to go back to the way everything uh, was exactly. like literally your comfort zone you know <laughs> and it's like it's very hard to get out of that, you know? Yeah. It's so... But I guess, like, with Fadel, he made Isaac his comfort zone, in yeah, a way. in a way, know? he did. Yeah. In a way, he did. That's Which how he survived, genius, I think, yes. <laughs> this is genius. <laughs> like, for me, like, with me, I'm on a team, on the brand team, and I actually don't know anything about the rest of the team. <laughs> I'm just working with my team leader, and we're, we have this synergy where we, like, have... It's like you have your own little corner in the whole organization. Yes. I'm doing, like, I'm sure sure the posts I do attracts people or something and then maybe they go on a journey and be affected and that was because I'm part of that team or that like having felt that energy yes I want to feel it again I want to be part of a team part of something like that does something bigger and act and actually feel it with other people but I feel I'm not ready for it now you know yeah I don't know there was this quote Mm -hmm. um, from uh, chapter 18 everything is possible um, he says, am I then a successful leader or a failed one? Was trusting in people to come through and rise to their forecasted potential the right thing to do? Or was I too naive? Should I have seen the best in people or just called it as it was? Was I wrong to never fire anyone or let go of the toxic people before they got out of hand? Since I'm the leader, am I to blame for everything that goes wrong or should I not be too hard on myself and give accountability where it's due? Too many questions, insecurities, and inhibitions. I think we can both agree that the very last 
three chapters were like the most intense and the mm. most empowering of them yes, all. Yes, it I, gives you a lot to think about. Yeah, I'm yeah. still thinking about a lot of things. Yeah, well, not taking any actions, but just thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like when he said those words, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt and, like and like before poor guy. exactly, and before that he. He took the blame. Um, let me remember. It was here. Um, I believe that leaders are always at the forefront of everything, taking ownership of every little action and responsibility for every minor glitch. I blamed myself for every mm. team member I lost, even the ones who seemed to be out of my control, since I always managed to trace it back to a past event or an action that I'd done or failed to do. Although my term was one of the most successful on paper, it was a major failure in my books. I held on to a lot of pain at the end of it and it didn't and didn't believe I'd find my way back or be able to function again. It was done. It was another failure scribbled along many of its injured siblings in a long banged up script labeled life. It's the so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about introverts, we internalize everything. Everything. So we tend to take the blame of everything. We always think we're at fault. Mm -hmm. we're, the, we're, we're the reason. We're the if reason. we had done better, if we had thought better, if we had acted differently. But, yeah. but I mean, sometimes it's uh, a perk of actually Being owning up to, yeah. to this and then thinking how to fix it, you know, instead of just putting the blame on, uh, the blame on something else or someone being else. being egotistical, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, like thinking, I'm not the problem, other people are the problem, mm. you know, you don't want that. Yeah. And you also don't want the extreme in the other direction where you think everything is your fault, you know, because yeah. then you'd go crazy. Um, so I think there should be like a healthy balance between knowing when you're to blame and when you're not, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of the cases... Um, like Fadel, I think he wasn't at fault. I think, from what I read in the book, he gave it his best. It's yes, like it's did. like you know. I think I wanted to compare it with parenting. You know, <laughs> like there's yeah. no rule book. You know, there's no right or wrong. There are. Of course, there are black and white right or wrong yes. things that you can do. But there is context as well. There is like, context as well, like you said, yeah. And it's always looking at your your past decisions and always thinking that you did your best. You gave it your 100%. I made the right decision in that moment that I thought was right, okay? Maybe the reason why you're looking back at those decisions is because you're smarter than you were before. So you have a better out view on it. Mm -hmm. So you'd rather wish you'd done things differently, but why go there? You know, I th I know it's hard not to go there, especially when we internalize and overthink Very. and everything. And we have that deep part in our minds where we can't stop from going there. But, you know, it's uh, we shouldn't like in his case, he shouldn't be hard on himself at all. Like, especially when you're a leader of such a big organization. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> be proud of yourself <laughs> own your decisions <laughs> yeah true true and um like referring to what i was saying about the conference here father described it as um i felt connected to isaac and i felt i belonged i was finally no longer wandering aimlessly through life mm -hmm. but i had a purpose and i was making a real difference isaac meant everything to me to believe that my time was up was upsetting Isaac felt like home and I couldn't believe I had reached the end of the of the line. I think for him it was what uni for example was for me. I found my purpose in like filmmaking and I was passionate about learning it and like doing more and learning more mm -hmm. and doing more projects and growing yeah. in that area. Mm -hmm. And in his case he he didn't have that in in his studies. So that was like a lifeline to the whole, Yeah, yeah. Like, I can go somewhere. I don't know. I think this is a lot what people experience when they finish college. You mm. know, this aimlessness and this pointlessness of what did I just do for the <laughs> last four years? Like, you know? Yeah. And like, a lot of people don't know what to do after they finish college. Like, maybe they found they be their best friends at that time. And they, like, f like, the uni literally becomes your second home. Like, you spend so much time there maybe even more than you spend mm. your time at home which was isaac people. for father he didn't spend exactly. more time there yeah yes yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's exactly the same mm. uh, speaking of 
there was this other thing in Isaac that I found very interesting was one of Isaac's tradition is the way the, they announce who passes a vote of confidence <laughs> or yeah. gets selected during the election process. They do it a bit differently than probably anywhere else. The announcement does not happen in a phone call. It does not happen via email. It does not happen through a Facebook post. They do it in person, having all candidates and voters present i wanted to ask you were you ever part of a like meeting like that or a no, conference? no no never no like the biggest event i've been to was the conference and one night there it was yeah. the gala night and they had awards for the members who had achieved something in the yeah. past quarter or term like i that's think it the... was so hilarious when like the bucket of water <laughs> thing i yeah. found it very funny <laughs> i heard about it in that conference actually it Nihal told this us about organization it. so unique mm-hmm. it has its own character and culture and yeah yeah which is so scary as an introvert you have no idea like <laughs> like thinking they have their thing their traditions they are a family and you know like they're like the gang at school that you can never be friends with <laughs> you know what i mean like they're the yeah. untouchable people mm-hmm. for from my perspective but we all enter like on the same level and then we form a team together and we have someone who was there before as the team leader and so on who would I carry guess, our kind hand of. it i guess it just it's takes a... a leap of faith yeah true <laughs> Didn't he say that in one of yeah. quote, in one of his quotes? Yeah, in the last chapter, I think. Yeah, right, the very last one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should I read it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was in the afterward. Dear friend, trust your gut. Although you might at times feel like a decision is too big for you to take alone, rallying in too many minds to the rescue might ultimately backfire. You sometimes need to take a leap. And just trust whatever you feel is what it is. It doesn't always have to be logical. It doesn't always have to be scientific. Sometimes we ought to let our hearts precede our minds in the pecking order and give them the ruling of the day. <laughs> like, sometimes he's such a great writer. Mm. Yeah. There are other... Yeah. This is something that I also wanted to mention that why did he not include his speeches in the book? <laughs> I never thought about that. And when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, why didn't we get like, to read the speech? Like, I would have loved to read that speech. <laughs> like he kept bragging about it, how he was nailing it and everything. And I'm like, okay, give me the speech. Yeah. I want to hear it. What is it? What are you saying? You're just saying you're saying a speech, but where is the speech? <laughs> that was something he could have included in the book. You know, something else he mentioned or like said i learned that one should not change themselves or try to suppress their strength to fit in the right opportunities will find their way to you when the time is right mm-hmm. and uh, i like this saying very much because um like my sister keeps keeps pushing me to do anything work anything related to media and no i want to work in cinema i want to be a film editor i just don't want to be all over the place and You know, so yeah, I guess the right opportunities will come. They surely will. They surely will. But I don't want you to be, don't want you to be too set in your mind. Like if an opportunity comes your way and it's something good, but it's not directly in the field that you always wanted to, don't turn it down. You know, you know what I'm saying? But that's the thing. It's a good thing that I'm self-aware, very self-aware actually. Because I am self-aware, I know what I want and what I don't want. And what I need and what I don't. So, like you said, some opportunities may come my way and I I know I don't need them or I don't want them. This won't take me in the direction I want to. So why? You know, I just... I feel like being self-aware is not making me do what I want to do. Not do what I want. Do anything, basically. I'm just passive, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm trying to sort out. (laughs) (laughs) There's also this one. Hmm. Chapter 28. Connecting the dots. When I look back at all my experiences through life, and even when I look at myself today, I find one thing worthy of constant remembrance. That I'm human. And as a human, I'm riddled with flaws. Shunning and not accepting myself because of them is like rejecting my innate cellular formation because humans are not meant to be perfect, and neither should I. The sooner I learn to accept myself for who I am, accept my failures and mistakes, accept my flaws for what they are, and grow from them, and because of them, the more value I give back to myself and in turn to others. It's so 
comforting you know to read that and it's like you feel like he is talking about himself but it feels sounds like he's talking to you you know mm. he's trying to tell you something that even though he is talking about himself it's also a message that anyone who's reading this try not to be so hard on yourself and even though these are wise words, he's probably still struggling and everything. You it's know, coming from imperfection as well. Yeah. It is coming from imperfection. And he is saying that he is flawed and he is human. And that even though he's trying to be perfect, we shouldn't be trying to be perfect because simply because it's impossible. We can't mm-hmm, be. True. <laughs> even though we always try to be. <laughs> yeah. And even his, like, his words about writing you know they encouraged me a lot you know i knew they would (laughs) (laughs) like do you have do you think you have a book in you and i'm like yes yes i do (laughs) i do (laughs) (laughs) um it's like uh he said here in the book um If I can't create my own world in real life, I thought I can do it through writing. I wanted to let others live in a world I created, just as the author J.K. Rowling did for millions of other uh, for for millions of other people. And I'm like, yep, we can agree on something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely agree on that. (laughs) Well, that's what I meant by our talk earlier of stories, how they affect people, and how yeah, they can actually create change. Mm-hmm. I still need to think about the kind of change that I want to, like, start, you know? I still don't... For me, my stories are only stories, you know? They're mm. not a call to action or, like, a morality story or something like that. They're more like fiction, you know? Like, witches and powers and uh, the supernatural and it's all... entertainment it's just pure exactly it's pure entertainment like you said but i think it's missing a purpose you know and that's maybe why i can't really finish writing it because it's missing that purpose yeah like there's something there's a huge gap in the novel that i don't know what to fill with so we'll see we'll see about it we'll see how it goes you know about like what Fadel talks about about accepting yourself and knowing your strength and like not being too hard on yourself. I guess it is important as well for people around us not to employ tough love. <laughs> like again, my sister, does. Like sister. By the way, my sister is younger than I am, but for some reason, <laughs> the rules don't fit. <laughs> but I wanted to read a quote from another book that I feel is relevant for now yes yeah it's from uh, a book called uh, please understand me by david kersey it's just no it's not a memoir or anything it's just a book about um, myers and briggs personalities the um the opening of that book something that comforted me for a while whenever someone tries to make me fit in or act normal or act like anyone or or like points at a weakness that I have but actually it is a, I see it as a strength and they want it like it's a weakness so you should improve it so you can might have find I don't know whatever opportunity or whatever I think of that passage a lot yes here if you do not want what I want please try not to tell me that my want is wrong or if my beliefs are different from yours at least pause before you set out to correct them or if my emotion seems less or more intense than yours, given the same circumstances, try not to ask me to feel to feel other than I do. Or if I act, or fail to act, in the manner of your design for action, please let me be. I do not, for the moment at least, ask you to understand me. That will come only when you are willing to give up trying to change me into a copy of you. If you will allow me any of my own wants, or emotions, or beliefs, or actions, then you open yourself to the possibility that someday these ways of mine might not seem so wrong and might finally ap- and might finally appear as right for me. To put up with me is the first step to understanding me. Not that you embrace my ways as right for you, but that you are too 
but that you are no longer irritated or disappointed with me for my seeming waywardness. And one day, perhaps, in trying to understand me, you might come to prize my differences, and far from seeking to change me, might preserve and even cherish those differences. I may be your spouse, your parent, your offspring, your friend, your colleague, but whatever our relation, this I know. You and I are fundamentally different, and both of us have to march to our own drummer. The reason I find this passage so appropriate to the book is like along the way with the theme of grayscale and that nothing is as black and white, that everyone is different and you have to acknowledge your weaknesses and your strength and act accordingly. And I, I think it's essential as well if you're a leader to understand this to not try to make your team a copy of you or or be a copy of them so you can fit in and like be good and yeah the other other way around yeah i think there was this like underlayer to all his journey of of this you know yeah that's true now that you say it like that i can totally see it like he there was another quote that he said i've had failures but i've also but i've but I've also had accomplishments. I just choose to no longer label an experience as one or the other. It's both. And so will be everything else in life that's part of seeing things in grayscale. In the last chapter, I thought it was the last lines. That would have been no, cute. No, the that last line. That would have been cute if he ended his book with the, with with the, the name, name of, of the, the book. book. <laughs> like old movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, surprisingly, the last quote. 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 The last quote is what came to mind one day on location when, like, uh, I was asked to write anything on a sticky note and stick it on the locker as, like, set dressing uh, for the movie. It came to my mind without even thinking about it that uh, it is but a brush stroke in the tapestry that is life, right? Um, Yeah, for it is all nothing but a brush stroke in the very elaborate yet beautiful portrait that is the life of every single one of us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very beautiful. Yeah. I do have to say that uh, I noticed that the last episode in the non-spoiler maybe came off a little as not liking the book. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I have to correct that a little (laughs) because I did enjoy it. But <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really did enjoy parts of the book. It's not my like my usual read, so that's why I'm very critical of it, mm-hmm. you know? I don't usually read memoirs that much. But um I like how memoirs give you a lot to talk about, you know, because it's a real person. Yes. You know. And it's basically life again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a lot of real stuff. To talk about not just like just a story no mm-hmm. it's like life events and relating to a real person and, and events that actually had consequence you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean he drew my attention to also like a notion here he said um happiness comes when you win a game ace an exam or your number comes in the lottery and then it goes away fulfillment on the other hand lasts it's something more underlying. That is what I've been missing, and I didn't have an answer for it yet. But I was going to make it my mission to find out. Okay, it was chapter 27. Yeah, it was towards the end. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I never thought about it. Like, um, Ever thought about what? Happen- happiness happiness and fulfillment. fulfillment? Yeah. Neither have I. Neither have I. It's not something that I usually think about. <laughs> no, I think I I usually think if I'm going to do something, I may as well enjoy it. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, I entered the career that I enjoy. Like I used to enjoy as like a mm-hmm. user. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's what makes me do anything. Basically, is that in, I enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, but does it fulfill me? Look, I mean. I have, I personally, like when it comes to that stuff, I am, I like, I have a very high threshold for tolerance, you know, <laughs> like, even if I don't 100% like something, I still see it through, because just out of curiosity and out of, 
loyalty i guess you know like once i start something i need to see it the whole thing through hmm. that's how i function i can't just be like 50 50 you know and yeah. it's it's something that like with a job as well like i can't just do the job no i have to like do it for a year or do it for a couple of months to see if i actually like it you know yeah i know a lot of people that have tried teaching for example just for a month and said you one of them no it wasn't for a month it yeah, was for a whole like school year for yeah a month. yeah no i mean you tried it for a long time mm. so i believe you when you say <laughs> you don't like it but like there are other people who who like only tried it for like a week or less than a month and i'm like that's not even long enough like that's probably the time where the kids don't even know your name like it <laughs> takes them like weeks to mem to remember you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to get used to you so and even though it is exhausting, it is an exhausting job, it it has moments in it where you feel happy. You know, like finally you've been trying to bring them some information and all of a sudden one of the students understood everything you were saying and they're answering all the questions, right? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I did this. I helped this kid. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, uh, it's interesting. I personally... It's not 100% what I want to do. Being a writer is still 100% my job. And yeah. it's my dream job. But I am willing to try other things in relation to that. You know, like I'm yeah. not completely... No, I'm only going to be a writer and nothing else. You know, I still need to earn some cash, you know, <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> I hate this idea of working to earn money. It's I, not just for the I money. I hope I never need it. Like... I, I really do hope because it will kill me. Well, it's it's not just for the money in my defense. It's yeah. also because I am a graduate of Elsun and I literally took TEFL classes, TEFL art, teaching English as a foreign language. So I am equipped to be a teacher and that's uh, what I'm supposed to be after I graduate. So it's a waste if I'm not? Yeah, it is a waste if I don't do it. <laughs> At least for a year and then I see what happens, you know? Yeah. You know, Never thinking know. about it, editing actually fulfills me. I feel so good and like to have put everything together and yeah. made it right and made it make sense. It's such a, yeah, it is a fulfilling to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Making discoveries. <laughs> Getting to know ourselves. Yeah. Here is something he said. I was walking in the footsteps of others' expectations, trying to oh, live up yes. to the vision of the person people ex expected me to be. I remember that. But I wasn't who I wanted to be, nor was I doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't being true to myself. The answer was clear. There was something off and I needed to act. This is something I always tried to avoid, like the expectations of others. It is... I, I'm actually maybe quite negative about it. Whenever there is someone who has high expectations of me and like gives me an ad in the family, for example, gives me an, an advice and he expects me to, to take it to take it or like actually change or take their word or whatever, I sort of start to pull away yeah. and cut them off little by little. Mm -hmm. I don't need that pressure on me. I want to be true to myself to what i want not what you want and again it goes back to like let me have my own wants <laughs> and beliefs and emotions and everything you like yeah i don't know if it's um healthy yeah <laughs> it definitely isn't but but it takes it's you the pressure of me <laughs> it's you so we can't judge you for that uh, and his chapter about dead time and a lifetime oh my god I really can't, like, it's killing me that I have dead time, but at the same time, at the same time, it takes a lot of energy from me to have a lifetime, you know? <sighs> oh, at first, I didn't get what you meant with dead time. When you said a lifetime, I was like, oh, okay, that's what she means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. With that kind of stuff i think just live your life you know when you start thinking about that you're adding unnecessary pressure you yeah know, you don't need that i mean i i'm aware i'm sometimes passive but passive I, passive but i'm not but i can't be 
active right now you know yeah 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 <laughs> it's just it takes a lot of energy to be active mm-hmm. yeah i know that and i don't want someone to give me a push i just want it to come from me so i'm actually not miserable when i'm active you know mm-hmm. oh life is complicated <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> can we go back to high school <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that, sweetie. <laughs> Things were simple. Not really, no. <laughs> One last thing that I think we should take from this book and like close with it. <laughs> and I think we actually really, 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 really need it <laughs> right now. What is it? We're fresh graduates and we're on new beginnings. Tell me. So I guess let's read. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he said that Um, accordingly, I opted to take control of my life by segmenting it into singular components in separate buckets. So I can work toward filling each with its most suited element. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and financial. I've been going at those five for long now, making strides in one and baby steps in others. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that's common between them all is progress. And I think me and you, we really do need to do that. Like, let's make I learned, separate yeah. lists for each goal. Mm-hmm. For each segment of our life and yeah. make goals for them. And, and plans. I guess not just us, everyone who's everyone, listening. Everyone, yeah. yeah. I learned that actually in my first year in uni when I went on that camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told us to do that and I started doing it, but... I don't know. I felt I was already going towards something in each of that segment. Uh, I was still at the start of my university, which basically the start of my career. And like, I felt I was already doing, making headway in even other aspects of my life. But yeah, now that I'm done, I think I need to review. <laughs> <laughs> review everything. My life, basically. <laughs> and I like keeping things. He reminded me of it. I had forgotten about it. And then I, yeah. when I read this, I was like, Right, that's right. what I need to get out of that life slump I'm yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think let's do that. Let's do that. We'll keep you guys updated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. We had a lot to say, <laughs> mm. and the book is very relevant because, like you said, it's real. Mm-hmm. Happened to someone as young as us, and. It reminds us to let's live again. Exactly. <laughs> Get out of this passivity we're in or yeah. I'm in. Let's or whatever. do something about let's our lives. Let's do something. Yeah. We can do it. It's not impossible. Yeah. So, yeah. It is a call to action. <laughs> exactly. Like we said in the non-spoiler. Live in the grayscale. <laughs> yeah. Do not live in the black and white. And... Do not be hard on yourself. We're still human and we make mistakes. And to always have our goals in mind, mm-hmm. to never stray from our goals, like he, d- like he did, you know, he always, he did stray from them, but then he, w- he went back to again and looked again, what do I actually want? Mm-hmm. And he changed. And we should take that as a role. I don't want to say role model. <laughs> What's it called? A reference <laughs> of sorts to something to look up to mm-hmm. and to have faith that we can do it too. Yes, let's take a leap of faith. Take a leap of faith. Mm. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next chapter. See you. Bye. Thank you for making it to the end of this chapter. We hope this book encourages you to embark on your own journey, just like us. For next chapter, we have something new for you in store. The Accidental Empress by Alison Pataki is a novel that we picked up inspired by a real empress in the history of the Austrian Empire by the name of Sissy. We post every Monday. Mark the page for chapter 23.